Ladies, when's the last time you treated yourself? Treat yourself. I treated myself to Blow Bainbridge. What is Blow Bainbridge, you may ask? We finally have an awesome blow dry bar here on the island. And they do so much more than just blow drying your hair. They style, they braid, they do extensions, makeup, and so much more. I love it. I got taken care of and had the whole pink carpet treatment by Rachel and her team. And it was awesome. You can check out their pricing at blowmedry.com slash blow b-l-o dash bainbridge.com so please go check out their pricing check out their schedule um, Monday through Friday 9 to 6 Saturday 9 to 7 Sunday 11 to 5 they have memberships that include discounts you get a free blowout on your birthday I mean there's so much that they offered us here on the island and I love them so much and I love leaving blow and feeling absolutely beautiful thank you Rachel and your whole team and go check them out know what people are buying right now? Well, I know what I'm buying right now. It's shoes. It's always shoes. But what other people are buying right now are records, vintage records, vinyl records, new records actually as well. Old records, new records, all the old stuff. It's music, my friends, and it's music in the OG way vinyl. And if you want to find the rarest vinyl, the coolest collection ever, you need to come to Big Dog Records. That's right. Big Dog Records right here on Bainbridge Island on Winslow Way at the Cove. Yep, we have it all. The collections that you just can't find anywhere else, I promise you. And if you're lucky, you might see a big dog in the window as in my dog, Obi. Yep, Obi works the record store almost every day. So come visit Obi, come visit us, and find that rare record that you can't find anywhere else. Can't wait to see you there, Bainbridge Island at the Cove. Hi, I'm Stephanie Reese. I'm a singer and an actress, and my career has taken me all over the world. And in my global travels, I discovered I loved a lot more than just being on stage and performing. I loved having conversations with people from all walks of life, different cultures, beliefs, different talents and backgrounds. And every time I found what was extraordinary in each and every person I took the time to speak with. From rock star celebrities, Broadway stars, soul singers, politicians, and everyday people like you and me. I'm bringing that to you here on Citizen Sister, where we have the conversations that help us all see how we are connected in the extraordinary and ordinary things in our lives and how that makes us all citizens of the world. This is Citizen Sister. Hi, Citizen Sister listeners. Oh my goodness. I cannot tell you how much I have missed doing this podcast and being here with all of you listeners. Um, Thank you for tuning in. And yes, Citizen Sister still lives. I am very tardy in releasing an episode and I apologize for that. It's been a pretty clunky um, beginning of the year. 
I feel like I ended 2023 with a huge bang. It had, it was just the most incredible ending of a year. And I, like a lot of people, I was very, very excited about the new year and went into it with all of the momentum that I had built up from the end of 2023. And then life happened. And so just to update all of you as to why I'm so delayed in releasing an episode, um, my dad, dear Harold Reese, my dad, um, had a heart attack the beginning of January. And uh, we have been dealing with the aftermath of that ever since as a family. It was more than a heart attack. Lots of other health ailments um, followed and scares. And um, and it was just an eye-opening um, experience, a difficult experience. I am still living in the experience of the aftermath of the heart attack. And for those of you who... Um, don't know my dad, you can listen and reference the Harold Reese episode, the extraordinary Harold Reese with me and my sisters in that interview. I'm sure you will fall in love with him (laughs) if you haven't listened to that episode already. Um, But yeah, our dear Harold went through all of that and um, we had a big family gathering and the next morning um, had chest pains and rode the ambulance and went to the hospital and it was a lot of a lot of stuff and not only do I want to catch everybody up on um, why I've been you know absent for some time from Citizen Sister but I also felt like it was a really connecting conversation to talk about this and to talk about you know, aging and elderly parents. From the time that I did the elderly parent episode and taking care of elderly parents um, last year, uh, I got so much feedback and so many people writing in and even calling me and reaching out and saying, oh my gosh, I've been there. Oh my gosh, this is what I'm going through. Oh my gosh, that scares me about the future of my parents. And it was just really bonding. And I realized there's like a conversation to be had there. And so I'm here, Lone Ranger on my own, um, recording this episode to talk about that and to kind of talk about this journey. Um, Last year, if for those of you who remember, the reason I did that episode about um, caring for elderly parents is because my parents' house was flooded and I had to, um, my sisters and I had to put them into a hotel and clean out their house and go through their stuff and redo the kitchen. And and that journey was really long and we moved them into a hotel, as I said, um, and, you know, took them to doctor's appointments. It was a lot of stuff. If I knew then what I knew now, I would have, (laughs) I mean, I would just have to say that I thought I knew, I I thought I believed that we were taking care of our elderly parents. I did not know the definition of caretaking until this incident happened with my dad and all the things that um, came with it. It is a full-time job um, to take care of, uh, you know, 
people in need, whether that's elderly parents or a friend or um, a sibling or a loved one or a spouse, taking care of other people is is difficult when they're ill or injured or, you know, whatever is happening to them that causes them to need to be taken care of. I mean, I guess that's pretty obvious that it can be difficult. Taking care of your parents is a whole other layer of caretaking because your parents are the ones who took care of you, you know, and there's an adjustment there. I spoke on it before too. There's an adjustment, this, this odd switch of, oh my gosh, I'm the parent now, or I'm taking on that responsibility now. And I'm the one in charge now, you know, we're not the children anymore. We are the parental figure. We are the guide. I mean, that adjustment has taken some time for me to wrap my head around. And I I almost said me and my sisters, but we, the three of us all have different journeys in how we've handled my parents aging. And, you know, age comes for all of us, you know, like, and it comes on slowly. So, some of the eye-opening parts of this that were so difficult were, you know, my my dad, as he's recovering in the hospital, the hospital care team comes in and does an interview and talks about, you know, what the next steps are when he goes home and, and how are he and my mom living and how is the situation with, you know, because his mobility was compromised and my, my mom's mobility is already compromised. But the more this person from the hospital was interviewing them, the more it became very clear that they were living what the social worker called um, a non-thriving existence at home. And I almost felt like I was like what I would imagine it would be like to be a parent going to a parent-teacher conference and, and discovering that your kid was a certain way at school and they're not, and you didn't, you never knew that. And, oh my gosh, so what's happening at home? Except it was the opposite. It was my parents in their home. And so when they were out with us, us not realizing that very basic everyday tasks, like putting shoes on, like changing for bed, like, you know, basic hygiene things, like just walking to the kitchen or, um, or being able to see the writing on a package. I mean, those things, you know, collectively are a huge deal. And I, you know, I'm a little emotional even talking about it because I feel like my sisters and I like failed them in the sense that we weren't noticing the signs of all of that. We just sort of, you know, stopped by, we got them food, we did their groceries, their garbage. My older sister did kind of their weekly tasks. We did some of the bigger ones or we'd take them here or there. We didn't know like the everyday what every day really looked like for my parents. I'm not happy that my dad had a heart attack, of course not, but I am grateful that it was the catalyst that made us open our eyes to the bigger picture of how they were living. And I 
I guess all the signs were there, you start to realize that, oh gosh, they're, you know, there's only, they're, they're only eating packaged food or, you know, that microwave is the only thing getting a lot of use because cooking or chopping or, or, you know, cutting things up or turning on the oven become tasks. And I think the part that I feel the most pain about is the things that give any human being dignity, you know, being able to bathe yourself or brush your teeth or comb your hair or trim your nails. Those are things that's your, you know, your own personal hygiene and, and the way you present to the world. You know, I, I wonder now, and I, I'm saying this for the first time, but I just wonder now, like we've been so critical of them not wanting to go to a senior center, not wanting to socialize. And maybe some of that is because they were, an un, they were unable to really, you know, care for themselves in a way that would make them feel more presentable. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm, you know, I'm kind of venting to all of you friends out there, citizen, citizen, sister listeners, and my friends that I know are listening to just say, I'm, I'm, you know, it's been hard for me to record, uh, an episode because I'm still going through all of this and it's very current. And usually I like to talk about things after the fact and kind of give feedback about, or, or do an episode about, you know, what I've learned or, you know, not necessarily what I'm going through in like so currently because we're not out of the woods yet with my dad and I could go on and on about his hospital stay and the mishaps and the issues we had there and why he's not so mobile now and he didn't go into the hospital even with a heart attack as unmobile as he is now. I could go on and on about, you know, the fear and the um, just things that could have been done differently. Um, But instead, I just... I just want to get to the nuts and bolts of all of that, which are a few words that come to the forefront of my mind. Um, one of them is advocacy. And I, I wrote about this in the magazine I work for here on the island, PNW Bainbridge Magazine. I wrote a whole thing about advocacy because I realized that my dad and my mom um, are very blessed to have us as we were blessed to have them as parents. They are now blessed with us being the advocates for them. And that is not me patting myself on the back or my sisters on the back to say, we are so great because we're these really um, involved kids advocating. No, I'm saying that because the alternative to not having somebody be there for you um, that I witnessed in being in the hospital and now going to my dad's care home every day, the alternative is a very lonely, sad, and scary existence. And that goes for any age of a person. If you are sick um, in a hospital and there's no one speaking on your behalf, there's no one there to visit you, there's no one there to make sure that there is a voice for you when you are voiceless, a voice to speak on things that, you know, 
caregivers like nurses and doctors might not notice because they don't know said loved one as much as you do. If there is not somebody there to speak up for you um, when you're in that position, I mean, it can be a very scary thing. And I say scary because we quite literally faced life and death for my dad. And had we not been there, I don't, I can't say for sure um, that he would have survived um, being in the hospital. And I'm not trying to throw doctors and nurses and people under the bus. I'm just saying that being an advocate is important. And I will tell you more than one or two or three nurses took us aside and said, please, please keep showing up because when you show up, they get better care. We're just telling you the truth. I mean, I had chills from that because as I walked through the hallways, most rooms were empty, except with the exception of the patient themselves and the nurses who were checking on them. But I didn't see other cots being rolled in with daughters, wives, sons, and loved ones spending the night like we did with my dad. I did not see family members visiting at all hours and all every day in other rooms. I'm not saying it didn't exist at all, but I didn't see it. Um, And that extended into the care home that he's in now. I found out from one nurse at the care home he's in now that um, there are some people in the long-term nursing facility part of that care home that have had one visitor in two years and that that's not uncommon. And I want to talk about this on this platform because, well, Citizen Sister has become a platform for me to talk about things that I think are important in the world and that connect us. You know, there are things, there are basic human needs that I was talking about, you know, that needs that were not being met, you know, that my parents had. And one of the needs that I think was really, really obvious was the word I just said, connection, you know, and yes, there are the things, the, the human needs, the, the, um, need to, to wash and bathe and, and eat and sleep and all of that. But connecting with other people, feeling seen, feeling really seen is so deeply important. And I won't fault the pandemic for everything because age, as I said, comes for all of us. But I have to say that, you know, in trying to protect my parents from the outside world during the pandemic, like so many of us did, um, they were so isolated and I, and I know this is maybe a tired conversation. People have talked about that COVID isolation for a long time. But I just want to speak on it firsthand right now and say that if you saw pictures of my parents pre-pandemic and you saw how they are now, it's like a lifetime, a lifetime of 
things happened to them during that pandemic. And I don't blame age for all of it. I blame isolation. And, you know, isolation and and fear, of course, but my dad's sitting in one chair in one position and only moving to get food um, and to go to the bathroom and all of that, but really just sitting all day in one chair. Same with my mother, sitting in one position and and more than that, not realizing that they were sitting there for hours and hours and hours, and then suddenly their bodies don't move quite right. But the bigger, the bigger conversation is that just mere person-to-person um, conversations, looking at somebody without a mask and, and seeing them eye-to-eye, not on a Zoom call, and, and feeling motivated and inspired to go into the kitchen and eat a meal together, um, all of that being ripped from from people who were you know, immune compromised, like my parents, just aged them so rapidly. And I'm in the aftermath of that now with them. We all are. Um, I mean, we all are as in my family. And I'm just taking a, a beat here as I speak to all of you to recognize that and to recognize the importance of personal connection and to recognize the importance of advocacy because you, you don't, I mean, we didn't even know to advocate for my parents at that time and their needs because we weren't seeing them. (laughs) Um, I mean, no one knew during the pandemic how important maybe human connection really is because we have devices. So we think that that's enough I'm going to tell you right now, it was not enough. And, you know, we can't go back in time, but I'm just kind of trying to process um, what the aftermath of that is. And so here we are in the present day. My dad's in this care home. I'm seeing all these people in the hallways, peeking into rooms as I walk down the hallways and seeing how much attention my my father gets because we're advocating for him and how much attention he gets because we are visiting him every day Um, and and also because he can speak for himself as well, um, unlike a lot of the people in there. And I'm just realizing just this beautiful through line of, of, of connection, personal, you know, connection and conversations. I'm realizing like even nurses and, and doctors and, and caregivers wanting to have real conversations with us. Um, last night when I visited my dad, um, one of the nurses took me aside and I I did a late night visit with my dad last night and she, or sorry, he said, um, I just want to thank you for coming here and seeing your dad. I'm like, Oh, don't thank me. Like I wanted to be here. And he goes, no, no, no. Um, you're just better than any pill I could give him. Your presence is better than any pill. And I want, or I invite Everyone who's listening to this right now to know that you 
you are somebody's pill. You are somebody that can fill somebody else's cup. You're the best medicine for somebody. And you don't even have to know them. You just have to take the time to have the conversation, to show up, to make a phone call, to be face-to-face, to bake the cookies, (laughs) whatever it is. You are that to somebody. And I I um I want people to remember that because sometimes we think that we need to be like a doctor or a performer or somebody that's living out loud in in our said communities to be of importance. And I'm telling you right now, you don't. You just need to show up for that neighbor, for that friend. You just need to reach out and be that connector and notice a need. Notice a need and fill it. (laughs) The need might just be a smile. The need might be a conversation. The need might be sharing a song or a playlist. (laughs) The need could be a lot of things. But when you do that, you fill up somebody else's cup sounds cheesy, but it's true. You fill up your own. And if there's anything I hope that you get out of um, listening today, I just hope that if you're in this caregiver position like I am right now with my sisters, that you feel a little less alone. (laughs) And please do reach out to me and write me and share your stories. I love hearing them. And if you feel like what can I do in my life that counts? Know that you can do a lot. And all you have to do is just reach out. That's it. Show up. That's not too hard, I think. And you will be fulfilled from it, I promise. Um, so that's kind of my soapbox. Oh, and, and big, huge, huge, huge thank you to all the people who wrote my dad all the well wishes, all the cards and the flowers, everything. I I will tell you right now, it all counted. Even in his delirium, even after being completely just so close to losing him, when he started to come to and I would read the number of Facebook messages, like there became so many, I couldn't read all of them every day. Um, And so I started just reading off how many people were messaging and I would say, oh, it's up to 300, dad. Oh, it's up to this. Oh, it's up to that. And then when my rock star sister, Melissa, like was like, oh, I can do that too. I'm like, oh my God, sister, you've got to post. So she posts and then it was like, oh, 25,000 people and 30,000 people. And he, his face would light up. He would just even with his eyes closed, he would tell the nurse, he's like, can you believe that? Oh, people, they care about me, but I don't know why. And then he'd pass out again. And it was just, it was so joyful. Oh, and that was, yes, there's that. And then the very last thing I want to say, I said there were a few words come to mind in this process. The last word I want to say is humor. Humor is healing. There's advocacy, there's connection, and oh Lord, there is humor. And without humor, my sisters and I could not have gotten through this. And we found 
the humorous through line throughout all of this. My dad was cracking us up with all kinds of things. Like, I will just say, like, during his actual heart attack, he's like, well, how serious is it really? I mean, are we talking death? Are we talking my life's in jeopardy? And are the doctors were even like kind of giggling going, you know, Harold, you're having a heart attack. So yeah, I'd say it's pretty serious. Um, my sisters, my sister and I, um, I won't put rope Jen into this because she'll be mad because she wasn't doing this and she did not approve, but we were like you know, completely writing all over the whiteboard in his room that was like, that would list medications or which doctor was on duty or things to watch out for. And before the uh, doctors filled it out, we filled it out with all kinds of humorous information (laughs) that was incorrect that, uh, you know, made my dad chuckle, scold us and chuckle, um, and then scold us again. And, um, but we had a good laugh about that. Um, if anyone wants to see those whiteboards, write me and I'll send it to you privately. Um, all the funny things that we wrote on there. Um, what else? We took selfies with my dad um, and, you know, decorated him when he was sleeping and all kinds of fun things. And And we'd show him the pictures later and he just, you know, he thought it was hilarious. We didn't want him to laugh too much because you know, he had just had a heart attack. But anyway, humor can be very healing. And I want you guys to remember that too. And so onwards and upwards, I decided February 1st will be the new New Year's Day because January was kind of a bleh. And um, so that's my goal. My birthday's coming up. So I've got that to look forward to. And Lots of other things. And some new episodes are also on their way. Ooh, we are releasing. We are releasing the Christina Love episode. I'm very excited for that. Tina Turner in the West End um, musical, the Tina Turner musical, among many other amazing credits. She is extraordinary. I keep teasing that episode. I have my friend, I call her really Denise now, and you'll know why when you listen to that episode, Denise Stroden. She is amazing. Um, she has uniquely Bainbridge and she also, um, I mean, she's been featured on Evening Magazine, on television. Um, So that's really exciting. Rachel Knoll I'm interviewing and she is a film director and an actress. Uh, I watched an extraordinary movie that she released here on Bainbridge Island first um, and it it has a wide release now. I can't wait for you to meet her. We're going to do a deep dive into PNW Bainbridge Magazine. Lots of exciting stuff for Uh, 2024. So I can't wait to share it with you all. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for just making uh, making Citizen Sister the number one podcast on Bainbridge Island as always. And I wish you peace and love and all the good things. And thanks again for all the well wishes for my dad. Take care. I'm Stephanie Reese. Thank you so much for listening to Citizen Sister. Find us on our website, citizensisterpodcast.com and on Instagram at citizen.sister. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. It helps people find the show. Thank you so much.